Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Support for this podcast comes from the law firm Fenwick, supporting their clients' passion for tech and life sciences innovation, online at fenwick.com. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Governor Gavin Newsom is imposing an overnight curfew as California tries to head off a surge in coronavirus cases. California Health and Human Services Secretary Dr. Mark Galley says the limited stay-at-home order is being implemented in 41 counties, which are in the most restrictive purple tier of the state's reopening blueprint. Starting tomorrow, all non-essential work, movement, and gatherings must stop between 10 o'clock at night and 5 in the morning. Galley says the state is once again attempting to flatten the curve. We were the first state to do a stay-at-home order. We saw its impact back in March, uh, those uh, difficult days adjusting to the reality of COVID, but that kept us ahead of the curve. The move comes just days after the state imposed restrictions limiting business operations in those 41 counties, which have the most significant increase in virus cases. The order will last until at least December 21st. Joining me now with some analysis is CAP Radio's Scott Rod, who's in Sacramento. And Scott, what's been your read on how this message is being received by the public? You know, it kind of runs the gamut. You have people who recognize that numbers are going up and that the sacrifice has to be made to try to lessen those numbers and contain the spread of the virus. You have people sort of in the middle who have COVID fatigue, which is certainly very real. I think many of us are feeling it, but will kind of begrudgingly go along with this curfew order. And then you have folks who are saying, you know, look, this is uh, this is a step too far. This is something that's going to hurt the economy, hurt businesses. And uh, some are saying it's an infringement on our, our civil liberties. And it was hard to ignore the fact that Governor Gavin Newsom was not there for this announcement yesterday. He's obviously dealing with his own PR nightmare after violating his recommendations to the public by attending a public gathering with several other families. I'm seeing a lot of people mentioning that as they throw shade at this idea of a curfew. Yeah, a lot of people are pointing to it and saying, look, this is clear hypocrisy. He did not follow his own guidelines that he's been asking Californians to follow. And yet now he's also piling on top of the mask mandate, social distancing, more restrictions. And, you know, sure, the French Laundry restaurant closes at 845. So maybe he technically wouldn't have been violating the curfew. But people are pointing to it and saying, look, the spirit of this is just sort of tough to swallow. And they're claiming that there's hypocrisy there. What are you hearing from state lawmakers, the ones who are not sunning themselves in Hawaii right now while attending a conference about reopening the economy? Is this looking like a tough sell? Yes, the the Hawaii trip, another PR sort of nightmare happening. (laughs) 
What a week. Uh, it, it looks like it could be a tough sell. I mean, certainly Republicans have come out and said, you know, we're, we're opposed to this. This is going to do more damage to the economy. Um, but there's so far been silence from folks in his party, um, you know, moderate and progressive Democrats have not really come out, you know, and been too vocal one way or another on it. However, it's worth noting that at the beginning of the pandemic, when Governor Newsom was issuing executive orders and entering into contracts, a number of people in the legislature in his own party came out and said, look, you're stepping on the toes of, of what we're supposed to be doing. So there may be pushback coming. Finally, you know, there's always this looming question about enforcement on an order like this one, it's local law enforcement that needs to buy in, right? So let me play you something from Fresno County Sheriff Margaret Mims, who spoke last night. The Fresno County Sheriff's Office will not be out enforcing this limited closure order. Uh, we're not going to be doing that. Uh, I, am, I haven't seen any data, for instance, that shows that between the hours of 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. that that is a... a Things happen that cause a main, a big spread of COVID. Uh, not only that, from the very beginning, we have not enforced these orders. We are not going to make criminals out of normally law-abiding citizens. Scott, does what we just heard there seem in line with what other sheriffs around the state might do? Yeah, we're hearing opposition from sheriffs and from local police. Just in Sacramento, the sheriff came out even before the curfew was announced. He must have sort of heard through the grapevine and said, you know, we're not going to enforce a curfew. We're not going to crack down on these uh, on social gatherings. Uh, we're not going to crack down on people getting together for Thanksgiving. And then also there's reports that down in Los Angeles, the sheriff there is also saying we're not going to enforce this order. So this isn't something that you saw at the beginning of the pandemic when there was a stay-at-home order issued. And I think this is starting to show that some patience or maybe faith is wearing thin um, from folks in law enforcement on these orders. All right. Cap Radio, Scott Rod, thank you as always. Good to have you. Thank you. Now to our ongoing coverage of unemployment. A new report finds our state's Employment Development Department, or EDD, is leaving millions vulnerable to identity theft. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin says this is the second time the state auditor has made these dangers clear to EDD. The report says EDD has sent at least 38 million pieces of mail containing Social Security numbers since the start of the pandemic. Even though a year and a half ago, the state auditor asked the agency to remove this information from many of these documents. The big risk here, according to the auditor, is that this information could end up in the hands of fraudsters. If EDD had followed the auditor's advice, the forms would likely have been adjusted just in time for the crush of unemployment applications and flood of document mailings that came with the start of the pandemic. But now, EDD says the requested changes won't be completed until May of next year. For the California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin. There are new rules this morning to protect California workers from COVID-19 while they're at work. The California Report's Central Valley reporter Alex Hall says the board that oversees Cal OSHA standards voted unanimously to approve them. The emergency standard requires employers to, among many things, implement cleaning protocols, investigate and respond to positive COVID cases in the workplace, and provide testing in cases of outbreak. Hundreds of people attended the board's online meeting Thursday and listened to impassioned public comments for and against the standard that lasted over seven hours. I've never been formally trained in any of the new cleaning protocols for coronavirus. 
and I really hope that uh, the way I'm using them works. Nobody cares about what they're doing out on the field. So we're just asking, please, to do something about these regulations to be um, enforced um, while they're out there working for their own safety. The reality is many of us in agriculture utilize 15 passenger vans, but the way that the standard is written, three feet between all passengers, you're talking about a van with a driver and three people in it, which is simply not economically viable. Cal-OSHA already has industry-specific guidance on how different types of employers can protect workers from COVID-19. But Maggie Robbins, environmental health specialist with WorkSafe, thinks specific rules will be easier for the agency to enforce. It's much easier for a policeman to say, you exceeded 30 miles an hour, see that sign that says the speed limit is 30 miles an hour? It's a little harder if what the sign says is, uh, go as fast as is safe for this roadway. Next, the rules will go to the Office of Administrative Law for a review. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. Right now, state law restricts local law enforcement from cooperating with federal immigration authorities, known as ICE. But there's one group of immigrants left out of those protections, inmates leaving state prisons. At a state Senate hearing yesterday, prison officials defended the policy of transferring those inmates to ICE. KQED's Farida Javala Romero brings us the story of one detainee who not only served his time, but also served the state as an inmate firefighter. Bunch and Kiola fought six major wildfires this season, including one in Shasta County, where a tree fell on him. He had to be hospitalized and says he still has neck pain from that accident. Fighting fires was exhausting, dangerous work, but it also made him feel a little bit like a superhero, Kiola said over the phone from an ICE detention center in Kern County. Where I did something good, and this is where I, I told myself that this is what I want to do. When he was 16, Kiola was involved in a gang-related shooting and was convicted of second-degree attempted murder. Now he's 39 and completed his sentence. He was set to be released from state prison last month, but ICE arrested him. Kiola has a green card, but because of his criminal conviction, an immigration judge ordered his deportation. I'm just asking for a second chance to live this American life and to be a firefighter. The California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation is exempt from the state's sanctuary law. And at a Senate hearing this week, a CDCR official said the agency must honor ICE requests to hold inmates. But State Senator Scott Weiner disagrees. They pay their debt to society, finish their time, helped us to fight these devastating wildfires. And what is their reward? We're going to turn them over to ICE and get them deported. It's just, it's outrageous. It's not humane. It needs to stop. For months, dozens of state lawmakers have urged the governor to stop handing over inmates to ICE, especially during the pandemic, as detention centers struggle with COVID-19 outbreaks. But they say they haven't gotten a response yet. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of The Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, 
and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. California's largest lake could be getting some much-needed money to address an ongoing public health crisis. KVCR's Megan Jamerson has more on efforts to save the Salton Sea nestled between Palm Springs and our border with Mexico. Coachella Congressman Raul Ruiz introduced a bill this week which seeks to hold the federal government financially accountable for restoring and cleaning up the Salton Sea. The lake, which is drying up from climate change and complicated water deals in the region, is exposing the community to dust filled with toxic chemicals from decades of agriculture and military waste runoff. The bill would coordinate efforts to restore the lake between federal, local, and state agencies and would fund a public health study. The bill comes after a September congressional hearing, which was the first on the Salton Sea in 23 years. For the California Report, I'm Megan Jamerson in San Bernardino. Finally this morning. This comes from a new musical project called Sounds of California. It's spearheaded by the Alliance for California Traditional Arts. This week on our sister show, The California Report's weekly magazine, we'll hear about how the project is telling the story of Boyle Heights, an East L.A. neighborhood made up largely of immigrants that's been gentrifying. So much of the narrative that's been told about Boyle Heights is that, oh, it's just a community of poor people and there's gangs there. That's Quetzal Flores, a Grammy award-winning musician who's tapping local artists to compose original songs about their neighborhood. When we're able to control that narrative and tell our own narrative, and you put the narrative in the hands of artists, they tell beautiful stories. They tell powerful stories of deep connection, deep history, and also resilience. Take a look around and tell me what you see. Tacos dancing in his shops, running up and down the street. A booming social clubs, bathhouses, shops side by side. You can hear more on this week's California Report magazine. Tune in or download the podcast. And that is the California Report for this Friday, November 20th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. And Personal Capital, offering professional-grade financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary, personalcapital.com. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey. 
It's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!